Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, it's Monday night, so we ask you for your heroes and villains from the weekend in sport and special guest straight off the top. But in just a moment, Taylor Harris, four-time All-Australian AFLW superstar, uh, two-time boxing champion, will be our special guest on the Maccas run. Ah uh, yes, indeed. Very good evening to you. Welcome to the uh, welcome to the sporting capital. We just did the Maccas run. Uh, heroes and villains, as we do on a Monday night, uh, you can get involved at any stage. One three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. The temper text temper a mattress like no other. We're changing the order up uh, just a little bit tonight. We're going to start off with our special guest in just a moment. Taylor Harris is going to join us. The new documentary I watched today uh, and thoroughly uh, enjoyed. Uh, on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, a little bit of news getting around. Uh, from a Melbourne point of view, Tom McDonald getting, getting some specialist advice, RE, that Liz Frank injury could require surgery or just more rest. Unfortunately, Lockie Weller, it has been confirmed, tore his ACL. So bad news for the Suns who are flying at the moment. They've won four out of their last five. Um, Geelong midfielder Brandon Parfit is going to spend some more time on the sidelines after breaking his hand during the Cats win over the Dogs. Channel 7's Mitch Cleary reporting that uh, he played out the game with the injury. The club confirmed he's now set for surgery. Uh, Tom Stewart feeling good after his concussion. He'll be assessed when the players return to the club on Thursday. They've got the bye, so uh, he shouldn't miss uh, any football. Fingers crossed. Jack Gunston, who hurt his ankle yesterday. <laughs> and... Uh, and my whole page has just been deleted. That's fun. Oh, there it is. Uh, hurt his ankle yesterday and the pie is not related to his previous injury. Gunston had scans today. Club are going to update on his status tomorrow. And Logan McDonald, um, who was uh, the Swans' first pick in uh, two years ago, uh, 16 disposals, five marks, nine score involvements and three goals in the Swans' win over the Ds. He's the round 12 NAB Rising Star nominee. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it was an absolute pleasure to watch um, Amazon Prime's new documentary um, that I uh, that I watched just earlier on this afternoon in preparation for our special guest today. If you haven't seen it, the documentary is called Kick Like Taylor, um, and Taylor Harris has been good enough to jump on the phone, and it is all thanks to 40 wing, uh, 4 and 20, by the way, Local Legends Mark of the Week competition. Uh, which Taylor's going to tell us all about as well. Taylor Harris, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for being with us. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me. And I, I am. I'm going to tell you all about the, the 4 and 20 Local Legends Mark of the Week. I wish it was around when I was playing local footy because I reckon I might have taken a couple that could have qualified. But, um, yeah, so if you want to put your, your best mark up from the weekend and you've got a snap of it, go to 4 and 20's Instagram and... You'll um you'll get a few hundred pies to your local footy club, and I think you'll be pretty popular. 
Oh, see, now that was always my favourite night of the year um, when with the footy club was Pie Night. Always day one of, of pre-season training in juniors. When's Pie Night? Uh, unfortunately, I never had the ability to take a mark that would, would instigate the club getting a free pie night, but I'm sure there's a lot of kids that do, and I'm sure you probably took plenty of those when you were playing uh, up in Brizzy. Um, what's, the, um, what's the instigator behind this, Taylor, with, with 4 and 20 and, and this fantastic competition? Well, to be honest, I'm really proud to be involved with 4 and 20. It's a pretty clearly iconic brand you know, in Australia, and, uh, yeah, I, I think I can firmly say that if when I was playing local footy there was a competition like this that really you know brought everyone together um, you know with a common goal that let's get up high in the sky take a great mark and then when we land we'll enjoy a few four and twenty pies together <laughs> sounds pretty pretty good to me so yeah that you know that's the reason why I'm proud to talk about it and I'm proud to be involved in an ambassador because it just brings people together and there's nothing better uh, and yeah and I reckon um, there'd be a real sense of pride too if you were the player to take that mark and then to be the one that won your team that pie night and all those pies thanks to 4 and 20. That would be pretty special, I'd imagine. So that's a nice little bit of uh, motivation and inspiration for any young player. You'd have to get chaired off after the game, wouldn't you? You would. Sure. You would. It'd be compulsory, I would have thought. So, yeah, if, if you want that to be your reality, get get involved and go to 4and20's Instagram and submit your mark. It's, you know, it's that easy. So 250 pies. Beautiful. Um, and I guess you can have a few, a few competitions as well, see how many people can consume. I love it. Absolutely love it. Hey, um, I, I watched the doco today. Congratulations, uh, first and foremost, on it. Um, I, a, lot of, a lot of stuff stood out. Um, to me in it. But, but from your point of view, how's it been received from how you viewed it? It's been a really optimistic reception and I think I've, I'm really proud to say that it was something that I, I was um, involved with in the first instance a few years ago and, and it's really captured a challenging but eye-opening time and part of my life and I'm proud to show it and, I, and I'm really excited for someone to watch it and hopefully be inspired. That's the only reason that I, that I really did it is to try my best to spread some awareness about obviously women's sport and a few challenges that I've been through and resilience and getting through adversity and all those sorts of fun things. And yeah, at the end of the day, it's a little insight into my life, but the reality is if someone can connect and, and resonate and feel inspired, then job done. The, the opening messages when you talked about your parents that they just brought you up to be kind uh, and then the opening monologue finishes with you saying they have no idea who I am and it's such a great point that I think that's how we were all raised. Our parents wanted us all to be kind to others yet you've experienced something that I, I wouldn't wish upon anybody and to lesser degrees or maybe even to, to further degrees there's, there's people that would have experienced bullying in, in, in some way, shape uh, or form. Did you find this to be quite cathartic? Because what you were subjected to after the photo of the kick, it was horrendous. And, and, and I actually, watching it again, watching it from your perspective of retelling it, I got quite upset watching it. So I can only imagine, uh, well, I can't, I wouldn't really have any idea on a number of fronts what that experience must have been like for you and how difficult that must have been for you 
to, to live through that abuse, which was sort of unimaginable in so many ways. You were threatened as well and 22 years of age, but yet you decided to stand up for yourself. That moment and then this moment with the documentary, have you found it a cathartic experience, Taylor? Well, I think it's, it's an accumulation of so many moments and so much has gone on. I'm 25. So much mm. has happened. And it's literally a decision that you make in every situation that's presented to you, challenging or otherwise. And I, I am proud to say that that's, I, I hold my values really strong and I basically strictly make a, a judgment off those values, which is, as you mentioned before, just to be kind and to try my best to be my best and do my best. So I feel like that's opened up plenty of doors. And the reality is I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for those challenges and those situations that they happen to play out publicly. But I guess it allowed me to have this platform, which I, I mean, obviously I chatted about four and 20 earlier to be connected with a brand like that, you know, like Australia's own brand and to be able to, at this point in my life, have a connection in, you know, like that is something that I can be really proud of. And I can, yeah, I can connect with people that I never thought I would have been able to meet. Jonathan Brown and I, we we're both four and 20 ambassadors. I wouldn't have believed you when I was, you know, growing up in Brisbane and the Lions were winning premierships and he was kicking, you know, hundreds of goals a season. And, and here we are together having a mm. four and 20 pie. So it's just you know, life's crazy. And, uh, every instance that along the way has accumulated to, to today and no doubt uh, in the next decade, I'll, I'll have a few other stories to tell, that's for sure. Well, it's been a, a pos- it's, there's been an agency of change around it as well. Insta- Instagram implemented new rules. I didn't know that, that Instagram had actually introduced new rules and regulations around their site off the back of what you experienced. And, um, and I think anyone watching the documentary, I would hope that would just, because you don't know who someone is, the next time you decide to get into their uh, DMs and abuse them for not kicking a goal or, you know, text into um, a, a radio station or, or, or whatever and, and abuse the person that you're either watching on TV or that you might just think twice. So I think there's some real positives in that space um, around it. Um, it was great to get your, your family's perspective on it as well. Um how has it been for them, this process? Well, you're absolutely right. It is all about learning. And if you don't know, you don't know. So I guess people, until they have that moment where they think and step back and think to themselves, you know, why am I doing this and what is it achieving? Then mm. they'll continue to do it. But I guess more, I guess, versions of, of my episode that come out in, into the light and people can, can listen and even potentially be forced to listen and have a look at themselves and reflect, that's when change happens. It's not, you know, it doesn't just happen out of the blue. It, it's got to be a moment. So I think people who continue to stand up for themselves and continue to push push for change are the reason that young people hopefully are going to grow up and, and there's going to be less of this bullying epidemic. And, I, and it makes me sick that people go to school and and feel unsafe or it's not just school obviously workplace there's a lot of harassment and and bullying around and I just can't stand it so I'll do Mm. everything in my power and with my platform to um I I guess spread awareness and to try and eradicate that you know sickening part of society uh, it's a credit to you. I, I don't. I don't know if I would have the courage to do it at 25 um let alone 22 but sorry I, I jumped in there 
that's right. I was just going to say to to answer your question about my parents in the documentary is you would have heard mum and dad really passionately mm. explaining that from their point of view that it's it's so heartbreaking and particularly having my family interstate it's a really challenging time and mm. uh, for your for your child and for even mum and dad not to have felt totally safe is something that no one should feel and yeah I, I encourage anyone if if they have the time to to watch the documentary and learn a thing or two potentially about the reality of female athletes in Australia at least and let alone around the world so yeah that I, I hopefully that answers your question and absolutely um, yeah mum and dad are the best the best yes and I'm very biased but I <laughs> but I love them so much and that really resonates I'm sure absolutely hey now given that you are here talking about uh about four and 20 and the, the local legends mark of the week competition you got back to doing what you do best um, this year uh, after making the move to the Melbourne Footy Club in amongst uh, all of that storm at the time. But the, 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 the storm the thing about storms is that they dissipate after a while and it certainly did in the end for you. You number one contested mark in the competition. Again, you, you helped Melbourne get to their first ever grand final. Unfortunately, it, it didn't go your way. It, it came across to me in the doco that just to be able to put the tum- like how tumultuous the last few years have been, and just to be back out there getting having a kick, taking a grab, um, it must have been a good feeling. It was. It was a great feeling, and and I guess to have the pressure off, in a sense, obviously, um, as is explained in the documentary, with everything that played out in the media, which was obviously inaccurate, and then to have found a place. And the reality is that I, I was playing uh, footy for obviously uh, a contract that is not necessarily needed to be explained, but the reality is that what was put in the media was Mm. completely the opposite. So it's no coincidence that I go out and play footy in a really uh, a free and just enjoyable sense. And that's all due to some really honest and open conversations and uh, finding a point that was fair and even for both parties. And that's how life works. If, If it's fair, Everyone's happy and everyone, you know, everyone is able to perform. And I think that that's kind of what happened in the first instance here, uh, you know, this season. But the reality is, in my own mind, I've got a long way to go and I've got a lot more potential and I've been working hard already looking forward to this season coming up in only a few months or two months. So let's talk about that. Um, How do you feel about the August time slot? Or time slot is probably not the right word. Calendar slot. Um, how does that does that sit right with you? Do you feel like that's the place for AFLW? For it might not be over the long term, but definitely in the in the short term. Well, I'll tell you one thing that people are going to save a lot of money on sunscreen, spectators <laughs> and players, because playing in the middle of January is hot, and it is in, a, in the Australian sun. Oh, probably, I don't know how you guys did it. Probably not, not the best. Yeah, it was pretty tough, but. You know what we did it. We didn't complain about it. It was it was our part of the year, and we made the most of it. But now we're in the August time slot, so we'll we'll get the tracky pants on and um, try and work out ways to to warm up before footy games rather than cool down. I feel like that's going to be the big adjustment. And then, uh, yeah, I mean beyond that, obviously post AFL season, people are on a high. They want to see some good footy, and they want to continue to watch footy. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited for this next phase of women's. AFL, and I can't wait to showcase how hard we've been working. But put it with, I wanted to speak to you about the CBA. It's such a landmark moment um, in the in the short history um, of the AFLW. 
you would be with speaking to teammates on a daily basis who uh, would have been going through an incredible amount of stress and anxiety and worry about what is to come and what's going to happen and what do I do about my job and when are we starting and what am I going to get paid? Can I actually continue to do this um, anymore? So it's a, a substantial pay rise, but a warranted one, given if you look at, people actually realised the work that you guys did and the contact hours you had it's and how little it ended up being that you were actually getting paid uh, as a collective. How significant is this uh, for the competition? Well, to be honest, I think you already touched on it. We're, we're already doing these hours, so we're, we're simply getting paid for what we're already doing. So the reality is... I, I, it's substantial, absolutely, and it's necessary for sure. But the reality is, it, it is the fact that we're getting paid for what we do. Mm. So it's a milestone and it's a big moment, but it's one that I think we can tick off and we can say, right, now we're on a really good trajectory to continue to push forward and to continue to, to earn what we deserve. And I feel like now we're getting paid for what we do right now, but I think the next step is obviously to to give people the ability to train full-time, obviously, and then see what happens. Like, it's, it's pretty exceptional, the standard. Right now, all things considered, imagine if the young people who are picking up a footy right now have a genuine professional full-time career that they can dedicate their whole life to. And mm. then you, you can't even imagine the athlete that's going to come through. It's, it's clearly going to be exceptional, so I can't wait. And there's already kids like, for example, the other night, 4 and 20 actually got me up to my local footy club and I, I couldn't have been more thankful because I honestly was emotional because I got there and it was it was a pie night and it was, you know, all these girls full filled the oval, all the women's teams, the girls' teams, and it was Monday, Wednesday at the Ashley Hornets is women's footy night. And I was just like, it, I was, may as well have been in tears because when I was playing only 10 years ago at Ashley, it wasn't, I was the only girl. It wasn't real. It wasn't a possibility, but all thanks to AFLW and frankly, thanks to 4 and 20 and people who sponsor and back the AFLW from, from early days, this is why women are able to feel safe and feel at home and feel welcome and belong at a footy club. And, and why shouldn't they? And I guess obviously also competitions like the, the Mark of the Week competition allows young people and young girls to feel feel valued and of course there's going to be most likely in the club there'll be as we spoke about before someone carried off on on the shoulders <laughs> who's you know got a nomination there's going to be a, it could be a girl or boy you wouldn't know the yeah. cost of the coin because whoever takes the best mark it's an even playing field and i love that and i think it's a really exciting time and i think if you're not on board you're going to get left behind and that's the reality so i think anyone who discredits women playing AFL just need to hop down to their local footy club and have a look at how much enjoyment and laughter and love there is when everyone is felt made to feel welcome and it's it's a safe place so you know share share the love I guess well speaking of sharing the love there's plenty of it that's coming through uh, off our text machine uh, as well Lee has just texted in and said my daughter is 17 and been playing senior girls for two years now and has faced challenges throughout Tay has been a beacon and an inspiration for a long time. Thank you, Taylor, from her and I. And that's just one of many, Taylor Harris, that are coming through. I could continue on with you for ages, Taylor. It's been great to, to catch up and chat with you. We haven't even talked boxing. We've, there was so much more, but uh, I've got to let you go. But thanks so much and good luck with it all. And uh, 4 and 20 doing a great thing for, for local footy as well with the local legends, Mark of the Week. We'll speak to you soon. Good luck in August. Enjoy pre-season. 
Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Take care. Uh, Taylor Harris, out and out star in more ways than one, a young Australian of the year as well. Um, someone making a difference, not just as a pioneer of women's footy, but uh, a pioneer in some really important spaces, as we just heard about there. And if you haven't had a look at the documentary, um, I, I would highly recommend it. Uh, Kick Like Taylor is the documentary. And if you want to find out more about the 4 and 20 Local Legends Mark of the Week, go to 4 and 20's Instagram page. We'll be back on the other side of this to kickstart our heroes and our villains from the weekend in sport, Sporting Capital. You're listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM. Where can the Pies get to this year? But I don't. that's not really a statement. So the Pies will play finals yeah. this year. There's no doubt. Yeah. So you're declaring them as a finalist? Yes. Yeah, they'll play finals On the back this year. of what? Uh, off the back of their form, off the back of the type of football that they're playing. Um, I reckon uh, outside of that loss to West Coast, which is nearly unfathomable yeah. when, you, when you look back on it, their form's been relatively consistent. Um, their midfield, Chris Pendlebury, Adams, they have given up the, the Pendlebury at halfback experiment. So Chris Pendlebury, Adams, Dugowie going through there, and Lipinski's gone through also, and their wings are really settled inside bottom and Dacos. They've been really consistent through the midfield. And with those names and experience um, there consistently, they've, they've been really good. The back six has been really consistent. When you get Howe and Moore in the same side and Maynard, playing consistently together. Quain has come through even better. Noble and Murphy has been one that they found. So he's been great. There we go. Nathan Buckley on SEN Breakfast earlier today. That's his hero for the weekend. Uh, He wasn't doing heroes and villains per se, but I'm going to use that audio to just kickstart us into heroes and villains. So Buck's saying that he believes that Collingwood will play finals this year. They've won three in a row. Two of those sides were top four when they played them. Uh, and they were able to hold out Hawthorne yesterday to the tune of four points. It was a great day at the MCG. It was a weird game. It was sloppy early, but it became such a gripping, riveting and rollicking contest. Jeez, it was good to be there. Uh, so heroes and villains, which we'll do uh, on the other side of this. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Get yourself involved. Sporting Capital. You're listening to The Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEM. one three hundred seven three six seven three six heroes and villains who were they what were they I want to get your nominations one three hundred seven three six seven three six heroes and villains uh, on a Monday night um, a couple from me just to get the ball rolling from a hero's point of view and we had a text earlier uh, from Brendan or Benny uh, I'm not sure which is the 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 number and the name on there says Brendan, but he's written Benny underneath. So whichever one it is, Brendan, Benny, um, I'll just use them both and you can pick which one you're keen to use. Monday's experts, blah, blah, blah. Same conversation all day. How about, hey, great game, wasn't it? Nah, too positive. That's from Benny. Well, Benny, yesterday, great game, wasn't it? That was a strange game. 
it, it started off very sloppy. There was just inexplicable skill errors. And then, weirdly, the game actually got better the worse the conditions got. And it, then it became just a thrill-a-minute sort of game. It was tough. It was hard. It was uncompromising. Two young teams just absolutely having a red-hot crack. And it was so enjoyable. That's a second Sunday in a row I've got to spend at the MCG. Uh, the Pies and Carlton dished up a thriller. And for the second week in a row, Collingwood win in a cliffhanger. Um, it was just a, a joy to be there. And you just get it was just a couple of weeks in a row about being reminded of what we love about the game. And it wasn't particularly high scoring, but it was highly, highly entertaining. So uh, a hero nomination to both Collingwood and to Hawthorne for the the show that they put on yesterday. We say it all the time that this is an entertainment industry. It really is. We, you are competing for someone's entertainment spend. So where do you go to get your entertainment? Where do you go to spend your, your free time? We've got less and less of it. And so to try and capture somebody's eyeballs now and to get them to open up their wallet to pay the money that they do have at their disposal, that they budget for how they spend their free time and how they entertain themselves when they don't have to work and they don't have family pressures and life pressures. It's an entertainment industry, and that was very entertaining yesterday. So uh, a big tick uh, on that. Um, Craig McRae spoke yesterday about how they continue to grow the pies. Yeah, well, we're really pleased. Like, you, you don't get a chance to really sit here and smell the roses too often. But, uh, you know, speaking to the playing group, I just think there's, there's little growth within us every week. Like, that last two minutes, we dissected the last two minutes of last week um, for about three hours in, 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 in lines in different areas and um, one hour each for, for, that, for that part of the, the game. And to see them take the learnings from last week and then execute it this week, we, we probably don't get the result in the end. So I'm really proud of that, and that's the growth that we're getting. And um, yeah, Bo McCreary's last quarter, he spoke about Ollie Henry, um, yeah, Jack Ginevan. Like I think our, you, everyone can see our future there, and yeah, I like, I like the fact that we're growing in front of your front of your eyes. Uh, Collingwood coach Craig McRae, and the mention of Ollie Henry is an important one. It's another hero nomination for me. So he gets dropped and then gets a reprieve uh, via having to come on as the medical sub. Uh, kicked four against Frio. Um, he kicked th- Did he kick three last week against Carlton? He kicked two or three. He's kicked nine goals in the last three weeks. And the goals that he kicked yesterday, so the one just before three-quarter time, that's clutch. They, they, abs- they desperately needed that just to go in to the last break with a bit of belief and to stay in touch with the Hawks. Then the Hawks get the next two. And if they were any chance, Henry has to, has to kick that second. Uh, and he does. Uh, and Dugowie's goal was was massive as well. But I just thought for a young man with all that pressure, um, after he'd been criticised and had had a rough trot with his set shot goal kicking, to stand up when the game was on the line and deliver in the way that he did. That's a hero nomination for me as well for um, for Ollie Henry. Um, you've got to give Frio a hero nomination, don't you? So a few weeks ago, they beat Geelong down at Geelong and everything's going hunky-dory. Uh, and then they had some horror losses. I mean, they were deplorable in the wet uh, against the Suns uh, and also uh, against, the, against the Pies and also against the Suns. Um, they, they could barely register a score. 
So then last week they turn it all around after the coach says that you've got you've got ahead of yourselves, essentially. We've got ahead of ourselves. Uh, and so then the way that they were able to turn it around tactically and in terms of effort and in terms of their execution as well. So they knock off the reigning premiers at the MCG. It's their only MCG game for the year in the regular season. I think they'll be there to play a couple of games uh, in the off-season. Um, so they, or maybe it'll only just be the one because they'll get home finals, won't they? If they, uh, if they finish top four. So, so they beat the reigning premiers and knock them off. And you think, well, that's, that's all well and good. Um, you've now got to beat the number two ranked side in the competition. And, and while your defence has done well to hold out a, a Melbourne side that had slipped, has slipped now to seventh in the comp for scoring, how's your defence going to go against the best offence in the competition? Even though they're missing Joe Danaher, Brisbane still the best offensive team in the competition. And they, and they disposed of them pretty easily in the end. Brisbane got out to the good start, and then Fremantle, I think, did it pretty comfortably, to be honest watching that game yesterday. And there'll be some concerns there for the Lions, but how good a performance was that from the Dockers? And even when you, and even more so when you consider their number one key forward is still Matt Tabiner. So he's not playing. The two-time Brownlow medalist, Nat Pfeiffer, they haven't had all year, but he's still out of that side, so you've got to mention it. Um, and Michael Walters is out of that team as well. But they've got so many players now who seem to embrace, as Paul Hazel, we said earlier, they understand what their role is, and it's the old Lee Matthews line. Know your role, embrace your role, play your role. And they've got players doing that. I mean, how much fun is Michael Frederick? They're going to have to put some work into him. Who would have thought that Bailey Banfield's going to step up and kick four um, in that game yesterday? Uh, and Nathan Buckley had praise uh, for this man. Andrew Brasher, when you're a coach and you've got a player who just drives himself, this this is probably in the, the 5 or 10% above yep. of guys that, Anyone can coach them and they're still going to get the best out of them. Then you've got blokes, you know, 15 to 20% right at the bottom that you're not going to get anything out of. It's that you get paid for the middle. But when you're a coach and you've got those high end performers. Driven. And this bloke, I just wonder why is he such why is he such a good player? Why has he been leading the coaches association why voting? He? I'm asking you. He just works so hard. Mm. If there's two players at the contest, he's the third. If there's four, he's the fifth. Mm. If there's six, he's the seventh. He is the outnumber player, and he just gets and he does the basics extremely well. So, so he said out- to me, he's probably not competition best in any area other than trying hard and working hard. Well, and that is that is, and I'll take that every time. Well, we we're just talking about Raf Nadal in the French Open. He just he, he wills himself to victory. This guy, as a young player, he just works to the ball. He just he makes the game look simple. Thirty nine touches, six tackles, hard. Smart, clean, great footballer. He certainly is. Number two in that 2017 draft, Cam Rayner went number one. Uh, they didn't really go head-to-head yesterday, but Cam Rayner was important. He was close to Brisbane's best player for the second week in a row, Cam Rayner. So it's a hero nomination for him. But Andrew Brayshaw is putting the hand up to ask that question now. If you had to redraft that draft, if you had to redraft it, who do you take at one? I still take Cam Rayner. Um, but tell you what, Brayshaw is... is a star now. He he absolutely is. And and the, 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 the temptation would be for Justin Longmuir, you just throw Nat Fife straight back in the middle and he gets to play on ball as he sees fit, as he has done for his whole career. I think Justin Longmuir is too smart to allow that to happen. I think if he's already been able to have conversations with Nat Fife and say, hey, Nat, let's bring you back through the twos. And Nat Fife was a driver behind that as well. I think that they've already had the conversation. It's, 
all right, centre bounce and then head forward. I would be, if I was to guess as to how it's going to unfold, I think that's how it unfolds because their current midfield is doing such a good job with their current setup. I mean, Bradshaw and and Brody have become a brilliant one-two combination uh, in the middle for Frio. And now Frio are actually starting to be enjoyable to watch. So they're eighth for scoring um, in the uh, 12th for scoring in the competition at the moment. But over the last two weeks, they've kicked 15 and 14 goals, which is what Brisbane averaged per game. So if they can get themselves up into a top four scoring team in the competition, then they should absolutely be uh, in premiership. They would, they will absolutely be in premiership contention. So a hero nomination for Frio. Um, Sydney and Collingwood are the other two from the round that I think deserve uh, hero nominations. Sydney, uh, that's as good a performance Um as I've seen them have, especially when you consider that they had no Buddy Franklin. I know that there was no Steve May for Melbourne, um, and and they had their outs as well, but that was a brilliant performance from the Swans. So hero nomination from them. Um, You've got to give Rafa Nadal a hero nomination. So that's his 22nd Grand Slam. And I know people say, oh, but, you know, he just dominates the French Open and he's just a one-trick pony. But it's still incredibly impressive to think that he's won 14 14 French Opens in 17 years. So he's dominated, absolutely dominated in that space. Um, and even with those 14, it, it, it puts him equal. So if you take him out and just have his 14, it still puts him equal second with Sampras, who had won 14 overall. But I know when people say that he's a one-trick pony, I think that's dismissive, and I think that's a little bit disrespectful. Because if you take away his 14, he still has eight. So that would make him equal sixth all time in Grand Slams. And that would have him equal with these names. Fred Perry, Ken Rosewell, Jimmy Connors, Ivan Lendl and Andre Agassi, who all won eight Grand Slams. 36 years of age. I think he... I know that if you look at the head-to-head between him and Novak, Novak's just got him on edge, has edged him at the minute. And I know Novak's edged Federer, but I would, I would take Nadal. I think if I had to pick out of the three, I think I go with Nadal. Just phenomenal how he was able to just to get through to that final in the way that he did and beat who he did and how he beat them. Yeah, extraordinary. Minji Lee, um, this was uh, this is absolutely and this is well and truly deserving of a hero nomination. She just ran away from everybody. Minji Lee wins the U.S. Women's Open at Pine Needles. And no one really made a run today to try to catch her. This one was the one that I've always wanted to win, so this is extra special and I feel pretty amazing right now. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I started good and then had a little bit of a hiccup in the middle, but and then to finish I was just making a string of pars and a couple of birdies and a couple of bogeys to finish, but you know, with a little bit of nerves, I think um, overall I did a pretty good job. You know, I just try to breathe a lot, but you know, it's really hard when there's so many, you know, so many people watching you and also just the situation. So I just feel, felt a little jelly all day, but now I'm here and I'm happy. Yeah, four-shot win for Minji Lee, richest ever purse um, at a women's major event. Uh, she walks away with about two and a half mil, but it's her second major in around 12 months. So she won the uh, the Evian Championship in 2021, which is the European major. Uh, and has backed it up within 12 months to win her second major, uh, the U.S. Women's Open. Uh, number four in the world now, her brother Minwoo Lee, a top 100 player 
in the world as well. And listening to Andy Marr earlier that she doesn't have any corporate sponsorship or support from Australian companies. So hopefully that's something that changes. Um, with Ash Barty retiring where, you know, and we've got Sam Kerr, I know, and we've got phenomenal women athletes uh, doing extraordinary things. Um, but there is a vacancy. There is a vacancy at the top of that tree. Minji Lee going about it in very nicely to maybe fill that gap. So congratulations to her. Very worthy hero nomination. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Heroes and villains. I want to give a, a shout-out to, to Brendan Joyce, who's a, a former NBL uh, championship-winning coach in 2011 with the Illawarra Hawks. He's just won a championship in the South Korean League with Kao Xiong Aquas. So old Joyce, who used to commentate on United Live with us, uh, has gone over to South Korea and is coaching over there, and his team uh, just clinched the championship. So congratulations uh, to Joycey. Uh, just on Sydney as well, they are one of the most enjoyable teams in the competition to watch, aren't they? Their field kicking is extraordinary. Love the McCartans down back. Uh, Tom McCartan's work to, to run down uh, Cozzy Pickett, I love that stuff. That's, that's hero nomination stuff week in, week out. If you haven't seen it, uh, watch that on the replay. Uh, it's well worth it. And Logan McDonald, um, three and a half marks, three, uh, three two he kicked and had five marks. His averages when Buddy's not there are far greater than when Buddy is, but isn't he getting just a brilliant, brilliant apprenticeship uh, under one of the greatest key forwards to ever play the game, Buddy Franklin. Uh, Sam DeConing as well. I want to give a hero nomination to the whole Geelong setup for the way they recruited him, developed him, were patient with him, and then how they've deployed him. So he he was picked 19 in 2019, didn't debut until 2021, just played one game that year, has played 10 games this year, just took down Aaron Norton, one of the most imposing key forward key forwards in the competition. It's a massive tick for their recruiters, the development coaches, and for Chris Scott at the selection table as well. So a hero nomination there for all involved. Um, a couple of villain nominations. Can I give one to the Sandful people that are still whinging about losing players in the mid-season draft? Surely that just has to stop now. Surely you understand that you aren't... You, we're all here to serve the game and to help anyone who wants to reach the highest level of the game that they can. Unfortunately, you are not the highest level. I would say you, you might be the second highest level, which is something you should be very bloody proud of. And you should also be very proud of the fact that when people are trying to get back into the AFL or to the AFL, they are coming to you in droves to try and realise that goal because you are so successful at getting players drafted in the mid-season draft or in rookie drafts or uh, pre-season supplemental drafts. But stop the woe is me understand that we're all here to serve the game and help people push up to play the highest level that they can in the competition. And you're not it. But what you do play is a very important role in the game, helping people realise their dream. So be proud of that. Stop whining about that. Be proud of what you've been able to do and what you continue to do. But the time for whinging stops. Understand who you are, what you are, and what you're actually doing, and then embrace it and enjoy it because you should be proud of yourselves for what you've been able to do in helping those young players achieve their dreams and realise their goals. It will be pay out, paid back to you in spades because those who come off AFL lists will come back to you to try and get their way back on there. They may not get there, or they may, but you're going to have good players come back to you, so stop focusing on what you've lost Focus more on what you've gained. Uh, have a hero and villain nomination. Throw it through. one 736 736 Sporting Capital, SEN. Listening to the Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN.
Uh, a couple more villains from me before I finish up this evening. Uh, get involved, one 736 736 Harcourt's open line. Uh, so villain can be Cody Waitman for that flop. Um, I love what you bring to the table, but uh, that's a little embarrassing, and that should be a fine because you're actually letting your team down because you're not actually committing to the contest. You're actually leaving them a man short. They're playing 17 at that stage because you've gone to ground looking for a, a free kick, and they're one short because you flopped it. Same as Tom Hawkins did the other week, and I'm not going to jump on you personally, but those should be fines for those elements of staging because you're not even first in for the ball. You're not even actually attempting to go for the ball. You're just trying to con your way into a free kick, and I don't like that uh, in the game, at least with people like, whether it be Ginneman, Selwood or Mathis, whoever it is. There's a lot of players who know how to help um, extricate a high contact free. At least they're first in for the footy, which is the aim of the game. Uh, Bailey Smith. Uh, obviously. Now, I personally don't care too much and get up too upset about what I saw with him and Zach Tui. Zach Tui tried to land one and didn't. Uh, from my view, Bailey Smith did. Um, as a 41-year-old, I grew up playing footy in the country. I know what that situation is and what it really isn't. Um, a bit of push and shove and, and a bit of show of strength and a bit of, I won't be intimidated by you and vice versa. I've been in those situations playing footy. I'm sure you have too. If you played footy uh, for a long time, I've actually been to the tribunal and lied through my teeth to get the bloke off that landed a fairly substantial headbutt on me um, and I couldn't get one on him. But the game, this isn't about me and about what's best for me. The AFL should and does have much larger responsibilities as the guardians of the game. And it should and does care much more deeply and seriously about this than I will from my vantage point because it needs to send a clear message to every level of footy that that isn't acceptable. Its priority is actually to parents and kids, first and foremost, that the most followed footy player, which he is now, he's one of the faces of football, is Bailey Smith. Highest following on Instagram. He's on every billboard that you see at the moment. But what we need to show is that the most followed footballer on Instagram, one of the faces of the game, the, the young person's face of the game, is definitely not allowed to launch a headbutt. And either are you and neither should you. Not a personal attack on Bailey Smith, this. It never is from, from me. I don't personally go after players when they make a mistake. Now, I don't get all up in arms of the think of the children and players are role models. I think it's up to parents to, to parent their kids, not anyone else. But this is about assuring doubtful parents who are humming and harring about whether they let their kids play the game, that this game is safe from assault. Your kids will be safe. And for anyone who is going to partake in it, that you are safe from assault as well. Because just a day later, we see Ryan Bastinac getting headbutted by some flog uh, when he's trying to give back to, to local footy. So the game at the top level sets the standard for every level underneath. And kids mimic what they see, and they mimic, and, and adults mimic what they see in the lower levels when they see it. They'll do it. I know that in under nines at the moment, kids are yelling out, don't dissent, don't dissent, don't put your arms out, because that's what we're cracking down on uh, at the moment. It's also time that we have two separate matrixes for Michael Christian, because it just doesn't cut it anymore. Uh, one for footy acts and one for non-footy acts. We have to crack down harder on the non-footy acts. Two weeks was the bare minimum. And I love Zach Tui, but he's lucky to get it off. And he was fantastic after the game. You just want to be mates with Zach Tui, I reckon. But there used to be a thing called attempted striking, and he's got off with a fine for what he attempted to do uh, as well. So that's just my thoughts on what happened with, with Bailey Smith. Um, also, villains, anyone trying to blame North Melbourne's insipid performance after quarter time on Dave Noble? He wasn't out there, people. He didn't concede 29 inside 50s in that quarter. He didn't completely stop dead in his tracks and, and run into quicksand. 
I, it just astounds me that automatically the blame goes to Dave Noble. I don't think that's fair. That's their 10th straight loss. That's their worst performance I've seen from them. They were 17 points up at quarter time. They allowed 81 inside 50s to the Suns, who should be praised for their performance, but that was as bad as it gets for North. Uh, I feel like we just scratched the surface. That's it from me. BP's up next. First serve. Have a great night. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.